You know, and I think that's the thing as children of God, we got to keep things in the right perspective. We got to keep things in a place where we understand and know in whom we serve. We got to keep it in a place where we know that we are the chosen of God and that he has called us for such a time as this. He could have chose you any other time to put you on this planet, but he chose this season, this time, this dispensation. Coming into this year, right before Thanksgiving, God began to speak to my spirit. And he told me that 2018 is going to be a year that if we would open wide, that he, if we would open wide and hear and see what he has to say to us, that he would pour out his power and his presence on our lives like never before. And one knows, anyone ready for his power and his presence like never before? You see, when we receive the power and presence of God, it's not a selfish thing. It's not just something for us and to get another goosebump or to be more excited or anything like that. But when we experience God's manifested presence and power, not only does it show how real he is to us, but it also puts us in a place to do his will. You see, when Jesus gave us his command, it was not the good commandment or, you know, a preferred commandment or an okay commandment. But what kind of commandment did Jesus give his children when he left here? Well, the great commandment. So God has put a great commission on our lives. God didn't call us to live an ordinary life. God called us to live an extraordinary life. And when we become children of God, Christians, what the scriptures tell us is that we've been adopted into the family. That it's not just some club we join or something like that. But when we become son, children of God, we actually become sons and daughters of God. And we have his inheritance, his inheritance for the saints. Now, as we begin to walk into 2018, we've been experiencing it in some, quite a few ways. But as we walk into 2018, I want you to realize God has called you to live a supernatural lifestyle. He hadn't called you and I just to get through, just to get by, just to get to heaven, just to hope things work out on our behalf. Because when Jesus gave us the Great Commission, what I want you to realize is his death and resurrection is the message of the church. But what we got to realize is the Holy Spirit is the empowerment of to carry the message of the church. You know, George Barna in his report, uh, I read uh, about a couple months ago, I read, read it, and he said over one third of people who attend church regularly have never experienced God in a church service. They've never felt like they've interacted with the Holy Spirit or God the Father. Just they come and maybe they got a good truth or if they felt good about coming, but they didn't feel like, man, I had a real interaction with God. And then over one third as well that go to church regularly say that they have never experienced God in any way in church or outside of church. That they know that it was a interaction that was from the Father. So less than one third of people attending church have ever experienced and knew that it was the presence of God on their lives. I mean, that's kind of, you know, kind of scary, but it's also fun. It's also exciting. It's also a challenge. 
And my goal is, is that every time you come on this property, just like when Rory, Pastor Rory is singing and worship and so on, and when we teach and preach, is that you feel and sense that God is alive. That you feel and sense. Even before I gave my life to Christ, I, I could sense and know that he was real. And he was alive when I was around anointed people, when I was around people that put him first in their lives, when I was around people that were hungry for the things of God. You see, John the Baptist talked about this two-pronged. I'm just updating you a little bit where I was going last week and getting into what I want to get in with you today. Uh, John the Baptist talked about this two-pronged ministry of Jesus. He said in 1 John 29, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then he says in Matthew 3, 11, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So when we begin to understand that the two-pronged ministry of Jesus was, number one, he came to save, but he also came to baptize us with his spirit and with his power. And what I want you to realize, I've, I've been talking to you recently about being, you know, when people talk about being born again, you're really baptized into the spirit of Christ. You receive the Holy Spirit when you're a Christian. It talks about the first baptism. There's three baptisms talked about in the scripture. The first baptism is when we're baptized into Christ and he's baptized into us. And that's in Hebrews 6, I think. And then the second baptism is when we are baptized in water. And that's an outward showing of an inward witness of that we are Christ's followers, that we are born again, that he is our Lord and Savior. And then the third one is talked about in Acts 1 and Acts 2 and other places in the Bible. It's talking about now that spirit in you and your human spirit is baptized in the spirit of God. Baptism means to immerse or submerge. So really what we need to understand is back hundreds of years ago, really, really, 1906 there was a big divide if you really look back at the doctrine the west i studied the west end doctrine was in a west end school as well as another school and as you'll study over the years even as far as back as calvin uh, there were people that taught that you would even think taught and believed and experienced not just the holy spirit being filled being born again but taught about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they were filled with the Spirit. So was John Wesley and others. I could just go through some of the greats. The Baptist organization for the most part back then. Before the 19th century. Before the early 1900s. Many of them operated under the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was born gave my life to the Lord in the Nazarene church. Which is a holiness church. and, and But. Uh, you know, they don't teach the practice of being baptized in the Holy Spirit and having a prayer gift called tongues. But the, the first name of the Nazarene denomination was the Nazarene Pentecostal denomination. Isn't that interesting? In 1906, when Azusa Street experience happened with, uh, with Seymour and a great revival of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the prayer language and gift of tongues came forward and all that there was a great divide some of the churches felt that folks were going too far toward the power and leaving the purity they were just seeking more power more revelation more understanding and then there was this other group 
that one groups felt we're pulling back, which is some of the mainline denominations you even know of now and others that say, you know, it's getting a little, that's, they're focused on the power, not the purity. Then the others said, well, we're, they're focused too much on the purity and not the power. And what happened, the enemy took what Jesus talked about and what John the Baptist talked about when he said in uh, Matthew 3.11, said he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Look now. And what's and mean? Also, right? And fire. So it's kind of like both are right and both are wrong. You need purity and power. That's where a good life and strength and anointing comes from and revelation and insight from God walking in the fire and the power of God. But get this, you need that purity, but you also need the power. Power is fire. Fire has certain evidences, right? So fire puts off heat, you know, fire puts off light. Paul talked about in Ephesians 1 that, that uh, it is the enlightenment or enlightening us. So we begin to see and hear things from God that we wouldn't have heard or saw when we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it's not that. It talks about power because fire is used to produce power, right? It's used to, uh, you, you know, to to build up heat and make steam, and then steam is transferred into a dynamic, and we can get electricity. And there's just different things that fire can be used for, like that. Now, when I gave you an illustration a few weeks ago about a sword. A steel sword I was holding, and I said, I can take this cold, hard steel sword, and I can put it in a fire, and I can take something and hold it like thongs of some sort and hold it in the fire for a long period of time and, and until that thing is glowing red hot. That when I pull it out, if I touch something, it would begin, it would start a fire. Or I could use it at night to see because it would be glowing and, and it would be powerful. But get this the sword. The sword took on the nature of the fire, but it didn't become the fire. When you're back, when you're a born again believer, son or daughter of God, you have the Holy Spirit in you. have been baptized in the spirit in the sense of baptizing the heart of Christ and he in you. But you don't become the Holy Spirit. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you don't become the Holy Spirit. You just take on the nature of the Holy Spirit. And what, what I call that is, is when I take on the nature of the Holy Spirit, that the fire, like John the Baptist said, not just the Holy Spirit with what, all the fruits it brings you, but the evidence of. You see, Pentecostals and, and Charismatics and so on have put too much emphasis just on tongues, on the prayer gift. And that's good and that's important. And the book of Jude tells you it builds you up, it edifies you, it helps you to communicate with angels and different things on another level. It's an amazing gift. But if you have that without the fire, without the purity, and without the power, what good is it? But if you don't have, so, so, so what we got to realize is we all get divided and caught up on this or that. And I want you to understand there's a real move in the earth and the Catholic uh, churches, Baptist, Methodist, Nazarene, all churches are kind of catching up a lot with charismatics in the sense of they now are open, many of them, to the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and a, a statement that I made many, many years ago, well over two decades ago to, the, to a youth group I used to lead was when that which is precious to you becomes ordinary, be careful because it will soon become replaceable with something or someone else. 
And, and if we allow our relationship with the Father to become ordinary, be careful, you might replace that relationship with something else. When we allow the innocence and the love and the purity and the power that we experience when we give our life to Christ and then when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, and if we just take that for granted and it just becomes a normal thing, be careful, we might soon replace it with something or someone else. And so it's very important for us to understand the dynamics of the fire and the presence of the Holy Spirit and that we value it. You see, Jesus said this. Jesus said you can blaspheme the Father. He said you can even blaspheme me, Son of God. But you can't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. See, you can shun God and you can shun Jesus and say no to him all you want. But after a while, you can say no so long to the Holy Spirit, he just doesn't tap on your door any longer. Conviction will leave. Opportunities leave. And we've got to come to the realization of this, my friends, that it's important what I'm talking about. That's why I'm talking slow. Some of you have heard some of this stuff for years. You can understand some don't. And I want you to understand that you are here for the great commission, not just an okay or a good commission. And that God has this amazing plan for you. Uh, Jesus said in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit what has come on you. Then he tells us in Acts 1.4 that receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit or receiving the Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father. So these are promises and gifts that God's given us that he wants us to have and he wants us to walk in. But if we know about it and we've experienced it, but we don't live in it, what benefit is it for us? And what benefit is it for others? Now, I love this in Luke eleven thirteen. 13. It says this. If you, Jesus said this because we say, well, I don't know if I want to under, even talk about this Baptist Holy Spirit stuff and all. That's pretty deep for a Sunday morning. But here's what Jesus said. He said, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Everybody say more. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So what I want you to realize, though, God wants to infuse you and I with his Holy Spirit. He wants to infuse you and I with his power and with his presence. Psalm 50, verse 3, and I'm throwing some scriptures out. Usually we have our screens up. I'm throwing a little more scripture out than normal today. Psalm 50, verse 3 says, Our God shall come and shall not keep silent. A fire shall devour before, devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous all around him. See, I want you to realize that there is a fire available to burn away things that you can't deal with on your own, to burn away things that, that so easily pull you down, things that separate you from the love of God, things that separate you. You can't separate from the love of God. He's going to love you no matter what, but we tend to hide from him. And, and there is a presence and a power that brings provision, that brings purity, that brings strength, and helps you to live a life you could never, ever, ever live on your own. It helps you to forgive people you could never forgive on your own. It helps you to move beyond events and hurts and pains that you had in your life that you could never move beyond with on your own. It helps bring you and give you insight and wisdom and understanding and discernment that you could never, ever, ever get on your own. You see, that's why the Bible says greater what is he who is in me 
than he who is in this world. So whatever's happening to me is not as great as what's happening in me. You see, the Holy Spirit is in us for our sake, but what? He's on us for the sake of others. And that's why John used the, the, the term fire, because fire, you can't miss fire. You can feel it, you can see it, you can hear it crackling. Fire is a real deal. And it, it, now, if you can feel, hear, and see the fire, that means if I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, the evidence of that would be you be able to feel, sense, and see the fire on my life. All the saints said, yeah, praise God. Won't you get a hanky and preach, preacher? No, no, no. no. I'd rather everybody leave here with a little bit of the fire of God this morning. I, I'd like everybody to leave here this morning with another level of purity, another level of power, another level of revelation and an insight and understanding and how you're walking in this earth and why you're on this planet. So, so here's what I, I want to talk to you today. How, how do we fan the flames of the fire of the Holy Spirit in life? How do we fan, you know, uh, uh, that... You know, when you take a hot coal and with some wood and, and you begin to blow on it, maybe it was burning the night before, you begin to blow when the oxygen hits it, what happens fanning it? And the old days they had a fan, like a thing that they'd squeeze and cause air to go into those little fireplaces and all of a sudden a flame will come up out of those embers. Fanning the flame. I, I want to talk to you today. Maybe you're, maybe the Holy Spirit, you're born again, but, but, but there's just hot embers in your life, but there's not much evidence. There's not much power. There, there, there's not much vision and insight. Or maybe you've never experienced the Holy Spirit. And what I want you to realize is today, over the next 15, 20 minutes, whatever we're doing this, I just want you to understand and open your mind and open your heart because God wants to birth his assignment in you or God wants to confirm an assignment you know about or God wants to, he, he wants you to discover something that, that he has for you this morning. And I want you to hear with spiritual ears. Now, as we're talking about fanning the flame of the Holy Spirit, during the years that Jesus walked this planet, he taught us through parables and he taught us through principles. And these principles are very important for us because these principles are things you can live by. These are things you can go to heaven from, but they're also things you can live and live a good life and a holy life and a pure life and, and have good results and good rewards. He even talks about grace. So if we've blown it a thousand times, he'll forgive us again because he loves us that much. But we have to come to him. We have to repent. We have to give it back to him and let him wash away that sin. And, but he's already paid the price, but we still have to confess it. We have to repent of it because he wants us to walk in his power and his purity. Now we're familiar with the Beatitudes. Many people are when Jesus gave the Beatitudes to the church at the Mount of Beatitudes. And, and if you're not, it's okay. But it's one of the places it's talked about is Matthew chapter 6. And uh, we won't go verse by verse, but in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus provided a pattern, a pattern for us how to live our lives. As sons and daughters of God. A pattern for us. Principles and patterns of how to live our lives. And he's, there's three different places where he said when in that chapter. In one place Jesus said when you give. Another place he said when you pray. And another place in Matthew 6 he said when you fast. When you give, when you pray, when you fast. 
Now, three duties of every Christian that Jesus teaches us through this pattern, and you see it in other places in the Bible, is that, that every son and daughter of God are to do what? We're to give, we're to pray, and we're to fast. So I'm going to take a couple minutes on each one of them today and talk to you about giving, praying, and fasting so that you can fan the flame of the Spirit of God on your life to hear more, to see more, to feel more, and to do more while you're on this planet for God. So let's talk about the first flame, flame by the fan the flame by giving. We learn in Solomon from Solomon, you don't have to turn it, but Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse two, he said this, a rope braided with three strands is not easily broken. A rope braided or, uh, or a threefold cord, somehow, but a rope braided together with three different strands is not easily broken. That's where we get, we see too with God, you know, he is father, son, Holy Spirit, three, right? You and I, we have flesh, blood, and bones, three. We have a spirit, soul, and body, three. A three-stranded cord is not easily broken. So the same is with giving, prayer, and fasting is not easily broken. When we live those lives, the life of that and a life of fasting and a life of prayer and a life of giving, what happens is we begin to, our flame gets greater. It gets more oxygen, more of the Holy Spirit to burn, more energy, more dunamis power, the Bible calls it, to break things free in your life. He even tells us not only is a threefold cord not easily broken, but in Matthew 17, 20, he says, nothing will be impossible to them that believe. Nothing will be impossible. So when you hear people say, well, all things are possible through God, that's true. All things are possible through God. But we got to come into a place of understanding how to pray, how to sow, how to fast, how to understand and stir our faith up. Because everything with God is in an unseen world. And we have to use the vehicle of faith to go into that world to bring it into our now. That's why Hebrews 11, 1 is now faith is. The substance of things hoped for. That what evidence of things not seen. So now remember in Mark uh, 4, and I won't go there, but you can, I'm just going to give you some references to write down. Mark 4, verses 8, and then verse 20. It talks about Jesus talked about, and some uh, some gave what he talked about sowing of the word of God, and you can take the word of God and refer it to money or time or service or love or whatever friendship. But whenever we sow, there's a process that the Bible talks about: sowing and reaping. No matter how we sow or what we sow, you you reap what you sow, whether it's good seed or bad seed, whether you sow good seed. You know, wheat or whether you sow tares, wheat, you're going to reap a harvest back. And he said, some sow and what they reap, they reap 30 fold, 30 times. Some fold uh, receive 60 fold and some some receive a hundred fold return. And I believe that you could apply it to what I'm talking about today. Because when we fan the flames of God on our life through our giving, our praying and our fasting, what does that do? You can say, well, through our giving, that's 30 fold. But when you take prayer and giving, that's 60 times. 
But when you take prayer, giving, and fasting, you can begin to move in a hundred times anointing on your life. Hmm. You know, you've heard it taught for years. If you'll sow money, you'll get some 30, some 60, some 90, some 100 folk. See, it's not true just saying sowing one thing. But when you begin to sow a three-stranded cord for these three things, that's when things begin to multiply, happen, and a fire takes place. Um, sorry. Let's talk about the second. Prayer. How to fend the flame, the host remarking prayer. Now, prayer is communing and conversing with, asking and receiving from God. Communing, being in covenant with, communion with, communing and conversing with, asking. That's, that's your request, that's your petition, and receiving, communing, conversing. Conversing is having conversation with God, not talking at God or toward God. It's a two-way street. Communing and conversing with, asking your faith, your prayer and petition, and then receiving from God. Now, a lot of Christians, they might commune with God, have conversation with God, even ask God, but they don't seem to have the faith to receive from God, to stand. They'll just do that process over and over. I didn't see it today, so I'll pray that again tomorrow. I didn't see it the next day. I'm going to pray it again. Instead of standing strong and receiving what we have communed with God about, what we've made a petition to asking according to what God said about it, not what we said about it. See, 1 Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes you were healed. Say, yeah, but I see people sick. I get sick. I see that. Yeah, that's a fact. So a lot of people lie. Oh, yeah, I see. I'm not. No, no, no. If you're sick or if you if you have symptoms, don't lie about symptoms. If you have a headache, you have a headache. Don't go around speaking it on yourself all the time. But if you have a headache, you have a headache. Don't lie about it. But here's the thing. That's a fact. But the Bible says, know the truth. And the truth will set you free. So I understand that there's facts I face, whether it's a financial deficit or, or a physical attack on my body or a relationship I'm trying to work out or deal with, whatever it is. I, I realize those are facts and there's no use lying about that. But what I want to do is, but what's the truth? Because the Bible says Jesus is the truth. The Bible says he is the word of life. And when I begin, and talk about God kind of life, Zoe life. So when I get in his word, what is it doing? It's, it's releasing his life. It's releasing his will. It's releasing his plan. And then I got to stand on what I prayed over. I got to give, pray, and fast. And that's a three-stranded cord. There's some things. Remember when Jesus said, whenever the, the son and his son was uh, having seizures and he was possessed by but devils were coming on him and so on. And the disciples prayed for him. And, and uh, they had been praying for all these other people. Casting out devils. Healing the sick. And all that. And it was cool. 70 when they went out. That was all awesome. But there was this one kid that they couldn't get free. And the Bible says in Matthew's gospel. That he would throw himself in the fire. He would go into seizures. He had all kinds of things. And the father brought him to Jesus. And he said, well, you, you, you know, your disciples. They're healing all these other people. But they prayed for my son. And nothing happened. And he's throwing himself in the fire. He's demon possessed. He's got all this stuff going on in his life. And Jesus commanded him to be free of that and to be healed then. And within the hour, the son was normal, healed, no demonic stuff, no sickness, no disease, none of that stuff. 
just clear, beautiful young man. And the disciples looked at one and said, how did he do that? They even wanted to wait and ask Jesus later, and they did. And they said, well, how did you do that? How, how we did all the things you said? And he said, yeah, you can pray and, and you can have faith and do all that. But some only come out by fasting. Now, think about it. When Jesus in Luke's gospel was baptizing water and he came out of the water, remember the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit came down on him like a, in the form of a dove, but it was visible. It was physical. People could see it. And the Father said from heaven, that must have been a loud voice. When they knew it was from heaven. And the Father said, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. So there's something about pleasing God and there, 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 there's something about being open to receive the Holy Spirit to come on us and to empower us and to get things. And there's also something to do with prayer and fasting and giving. And as all of those things come together, you begin to move mountains you couldn't move. You begin to get free of things you couldn't get free of. You, you become a tool to set other people free. And you can do the Great Commission because the Great Commission is, is to go into all the nations and make disciples. And another, another chapter in Mark and says that we are to preach the gospel and to, what save the lost and baptize them and lay hands on the sick and they'll recover and cast out devils and all that stuff. And when you preach the gospel, these signs will confirm it following with miracles. See, we're as Christians so many times praying and looking for a sign for us instead of speaking the Father's word and doing what he asked us to do in his word. And we're not producing miracles because we're only seeking miracles. He didn't say seek miracles to get miracles. He said in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. It comes back to intimacy. It comes back to seeking him. Not as some ethereal by and by, but as the, and, and ask the King of Kings and ask the Lord of Lords and as our soon coming King and our Deliverer and our Savior, but also Daddy. Seek Him as Abba, Father. Rory was singing a couple of songs, some of my favorites, about Abba and about Good, Good Father. And so many times we take things that's going on in our life and we take things that's going on in the world and we attribute it to God and not. To other things that we miss out and we become afraid of God, we become frightened of God, we become disenchanted with God, we, we become, we won't even, we're afraid to even say what we think. But in our heart, we live a certain way that doesn't prove that we know God or are in love with God. So, so you say, well, how should we pray? Jesus was asked that question. He said in Matthew, 6 verses 9 through 12 Here he's, They said well master how should we pray And he said now this is how you should pray He said uh, He said pray this He said our father in heaven Our father in heaven Thy kingdom come thy will be done On earth as it is in heaven Hallowed be thy name Thy father in heaven Thy kingdom come on earth As it is in heaven so our goal is not just to get to heaven. Sure, we want to go to heaven to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. But while we're here, we have a great commission. And that great commission is what? That great commission is bringing the same kingdom. We're ambassadors of Christ to bring the same culture and DNA that's in heaven and establish a culture and a DNA in the world in which we live. 
You know, as I've taught you over the years, you can have a great vision and dream and great giftings, but culture always trumps vision. And if you have a negative culture, you can't really have a strong vision or manifest a good vision. Why? Because the culture is toxic. How many of you realize the, the culture of this world is toxic? Actually, the culture in most Christians' lives and most churches are toxic. So what I want you to realize is it's up to you and I to do the Great Commission. And that is to bring his culture, his DNA into our life. And when we bring that into our life, it begins to influence those around us. We become one ember, one little flame. And wherever we touch, we establish other flames. So what is the evidence if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire? It, it, are there people getting hot for God because they're around you? Or do you unload and tell them all your problems because they're your good friend and now they're just as depressed as you are when they leave your company? Maybe that's why they don't return your texts, right? Or your emails. Maybe, maybe you're not bringing them up. You're taking them down. And see, what I want you to realize is we're not here to be complainers. We're not here to... You know, to look for, I'll get our needs met. We're here to sow. And when you, sometimes it's so in love. And sometimes it's so in forgiveness. And sometimes it's so in grace. And sometimes it's so in the power. Sometimes it's so in finances. Whatever it is. And he said, when you sow, what? Do it three ways. Through giving, through praying, and through fasting. And that cord is not easily broken. And that's how you get this some 30, some 60, some 90, some 100 fold blessing working on your life. Second Chronicles 7, 14 says, my humble, are, my, my people are called by my name. And if they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, what? Then I will hear where he's in heaven. Then I will hear from heaven. And will forgive their sins, but I will heal their land. What's he talking about? I will allow them to establish my DNA and culture in their living space, in their house. You, you know, growing up as a kid or maybe as an adult, when you visit certain homes, you can have a friend and they're all this way and you, you're cool. But then you go stay all night with them and it's like, wow, that's weird. How did John come out of that? That's a weird family. You didn't want, you're saying, man, that culture didn't match my culture at home. Or maybe there were some homes you wanted to stay all the time because it was better than the culture of your home. Isn't that the same way in our life, in our everyday life, the way we're walking our everyday life? We are establishing a culture. We are establishing, we got to establish not our DNA, but the DNA of heaven, the DNA of our Heavenly Father. So that's why prayer is important. Let, let me give you this final. <clears throat> And this is what we're on as a church 21 day fast right now. And and, uh, and like I told you, what is fasting? Fasting is removing uh, food out of our lives for a purpose or refraining from food for a purpose. That doesn't mean you refrain from all food. That can be some are just, I'm not eating meats for 21 days. Some are, I'm not eating sugar. Some are, I'm not eating meats or sugar. I'm just doing uh, whatever, salads or whatever, juices, whatever. But like I told you, when you're just giving up television and programs, that's not really fasting. When, when you're like, well, I'm just going to give up social media. That, 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 that's not fasting. When I'm just going, no, no, no. That's just, no, that, that's not what fasting is. Fasting is when I refrain from food for a divine purpose. 
And I put the purpose in front of me. And our purpose is we want to experience the fire of God in a greater way than ever this year. To hear and see and experience his power and presence like never before. Isn't that what we want to do? So as we begin to understand that, we realize that that's our purpose. So we're all fasting as a church. As individuals, or many are fasting. And as we're doing that, what's it doing? It's opening our heart and our mind. Because believe me, when you give up food that you need or like or things that make you comfortable, you, your social media will be the last thing you're worried about. You know, your favorite programs, you got TVO'd or on Netflix. You know, yeah, that's all right. But if it impedes your spirit, you'll be, I can't watch that, man. I'm wasting this fast. And before long, you begin to build new habits and new truths in your life. What? You begin to tweak your DNA and it starts to become more like God's instead of what you established it to be. So fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. So what Jesus is telling us, fasting has been a normal part of his life. He fasted and and then he was confronted by the Pharisees about his disciples and said, why don't they fast? And he gave them a parable of why they didn't have to fast right then. But he said the day will come when the bridegroom is taken, then they fast. Well, guess what? He's the bridegroom. He's taken. So now we fast. So we fast, we pray, we give. But here's what I want you to realize. Even though prayer and fasting is a normal part of our lives, always remember, when you're praying, when you're fasting, or you're giving any one of those three things, whether I'm giving, I'm praying, or fasting, if, it, if my effort, if why, the why and the what that I'm doing, no matter what I'm giving, no matter what I'm praying over or for, or no matter what I'm fasting or declaring the spiritual purpose, if it doesn't mean anything to me, it won't mean anything to God. Whether you're giving, don't just throw money in a bucket. Think of the spiritual purpose and reason that you're giving. Think of it. Don't just pray. Pray for a spiritual purpose and plan to break things through, to birth something, to bring healing, to bring deliverance. Don't, don't just give. Don't just pray. And don't just fast. Have a spiritual purpose and that will give you the energy and the faith to carry it out. Let me end with these two quick thoughts and I think this will bless you. This is the crescendo. Say, well, if I'm going to fast, you know, uh, I don't know. When I'm fasting, I don't feel like praying as much. I'm not as strong or I don't feel like thinking about sowing. In a, well, listen, fasting itself is a continual prayer because you're focusing on God because you're giving food up. You're giving things up that make you comfortable. Now, let me give you this. Every assignment on our life has a birthplace. There's nothing that God's going to ask you to do without a starting point. There's nothing that any plan that God has for your life without a birthplace. Whether you're starting a business, it's got to be birth. Whether you're going to bring a children on the end of the earth, they got to be what? Birth. Every purpose, every assignment on our life has a birthing place. Get this. Every assignment we put on our life that's not of God had a birthing place. Whether it's to do with picking someone that, that, that we're going to be married to or, or picking a career or, or, or picking a ministry that we want to do or whatever we feel called to do. 
if it's of God, it's got a birthing place. If it's not of God, it's got a birthing place. But when you give, you pray, you fast, that gives you tools to enlighten you, to help you discern, discern and understand so that you can walk in it correctly more often. So every assignment on our life has a birthing place. Jesus said this in John 10, 27. I'm just going to give you two more, two, a couple more verses and you'll be done here. John 10, 27, he said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So if we want to know the assignment God has on our life and we want to start walking in it and to have a birthing time where it becomes alive and real and clear to us, then we need to hear his voice. And that's what open wide is about. Seeing and hearing God like never before. We never get to where we hear him so clearly that we don't have to do much or we see him and we understand what he's saying. No, 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 no. The book of 1 Corinthians says we know in part, we see in part, and we know in part until that day. What? When you're in heaven with him. So right now, you know by, no matter how spiritual you are, how long you've been in this, or whatever gifts and talents you have in God, no one sees and hears him completely. He's never going to create a world or a life we don't, he's not needed here. Right? So, so it's up to you and I to hear him and to know him so we can receive from him. So if we're not hearing him, how are we going to know him? If we don't hear him and don't know him, how are we going to receive his assignment on our life? Because Proverbs 22, 9 tells us that, that where there is no vision, my people perish. That, that, that happy is he that keeps my law. That word perish means cast off restraints. They have no boundaries. So he created us just so he could speak to us. He created us to know his voice. He created us to hear him. Even before you give your life to him. Remember you had that big void in your heart and certain things would be impeding you. And you're like, I don't want to think about God right now. I don't want to think about God right now. And all of a sudden, you know what that is? He created you so he could talk to you. Even before you give your life to him, he can speak to you. key is, can you hear him speak it and understand it? So I'll ask you, do you want to hear his voice? Because if you understand that there's an assignment for your life, then it's going to be determined by, do you hear his voice and do you desire to do it? Now let me, let me give you this last verse here. i got several, but I'm going to give you this last one. See, when we, are, when we are fasting, fasting prepare, provide, uh, prepares a way. Fasting prepares a way. And I, New Year's Eve, I went through Paul, Peter, and a bunch of different people in their fasting. But Joel 2.28 tells us this. And it shall come to pass afterward, everybody say afterward, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. And then we see it come to pass what? In Acts chapter 2. Then we at the end of the chapter when 
You had the upper room experience in the first part of Acts 1 through 4. I mean, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Then you had the sound from heaven. And then you had Peter step out. And the other disciples step with him. They preached the gospel. And 3,000 men and their families were baptized that day. And then later it says, this is from the prophecy of Job. Well, the, where that prophecy came from, Israel was living in sin. They had backslidden. And he began to tell them if they would give, if they would pray, and if they would fast, that afterward he would pour out his spirit on anyone who does that. So I want you to realize if you want to know the assignment God has on your life, as you give, as you pray, as you fast, what does it do? It makes you a candidate for an afterward event that afterwards to receive an outpouring of his spirit, his presence and his power to give you enlightenment, to give you understanding, to give you purity, to give you power like you've never had before. And finally, he tells us, all right, I'm, I'm, I got the microphone so I can do this. So after we come into the life of giving, praying, and fasting, get this, this afterward, we open ourselves to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And then John, then Jesus said this on the, on the last day of the feast, John 7, just two verses, verses 37 and 38. Jesus said, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, I mean, if he's crying, out screaming. I mean, you know, we just see Jesus is just floating around and being quiet. Like, Jesus cried. He yelled out intensely, saying, "If anyone thirst, who's anyone? If anyone thirst, let him what come to me and do what drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture says." Out of what his heart shall flow rivers of living water. So if I want a river of life coming out of me, if I want a river of God's spirit and God's presence and God's power, he said not only river, but plural rivers. You know, we look at that and say, how am I going to walk with the river of life flowing out of me? That wherever I am, life happens. Wherever I am, people are lifted up. Wherever I am, people are encouraged. Y'all, I'll have a bad day and i got to repent over it. But my goal is that every day the presence and power, the life of God flows out of me onto others. That it brings change and it brings hope and it brings salvation and it brings healing and it brings feeling and power. How does that happen? Because I see some of these people and they seem so spiritual and they just seem like they've got it all together and, and I just feel inadequate and I just feel like I could never be that or, or why even try? I've blown it so many times. See, the problem is you're looking too far down the road because remember that 30, some 30, some 60, some 90, some 100 fold blessing. That's the word. So anything that you do according to his word, it begins to multiply his kingdom and favor on your life. And Jesus cried out and said, anyone that believes in him, anyone that's a child of God, all they got to do is take a drink and it'll produce a river. Well, I just want to be this holy person. No, no, no. Don't worry about being holy. Seek him. The love and the compassion and forgiveness of God to come on y'all. But what he said is just, how do I receive a baptism of the Holy Spirit? Just take a drink. 
Jesus says that if you ask, you receive. How, how, how do I receive a, a greater prayer life? Pray. Maybe for a minute a day. That's a drink. Maybe five minutes a day. Take another big drink the next day. Before long, the river, the, the river of prayer will begin to flow out of your life. How do I fast? Start fasting for a lunch. Then start fasting for dinner. Then start fasting for a day. And before long, the river of life of God will be there to help you fast. How do I walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit to hear and to see what God is saying and doing in the earth? Take a break. How do I do it? I do it through giving. I do it through prayer. I do it through fasting. And every time I take a drink, it opens up the, this is what Jesus said. It brings the rivers of living water, water representing his spirit in the Bible, rivers of living water coming forth where? Out of my heart. I don't have to depend on the pastor to give it to me. I don't have to depend on a prayer partner or an elder. No, no, no. I have the spirit of God in me if I'm born again. And every time I take a drink to give, to pray, to fast, to believe, to trust, to know, every time, just take a drink. Doesn't mean you have to drink the whole thing at one time, but just take a drink. What happens? Rivers come forward. Say, well, you know, I got a lot of people I need to forgive. How about trying to forgive one person? Take a drink. Forgive one. Or maybe you can't forgive one. You can just forgive one thing they done to you. Take a drink. You know, I want to get out of debt. Well, you're not just going to write one check to get out of debt. You know, if the check's good, you get out of debt, right? You wouldn't be in debt. Start with one bill. You know, I want to be more righteous and do things the right way. Well, start doing one thing right and another, and then focus on another thing that you couldn't do right before and start doing it right. It's not out of works. I'm just giving you illustrations. It really comes out of the Spirit of God because He begins to multiply it and it fans the flame of his spirit on your life and his spirit empowers you to do what you couldn't do on your own his spirit empowers you to do what you couldn't do for yourself